Good morning and welcome to the Under the Scope podcast where we discuss music. I'm your host, Will Brost, and joining me as always, co-hosting Patrick Anderson. How's it going this morning? It's good. It's good. Into like week two, I think, two and a half of self-isolation. Right, right. How's how's that all going? Uh, pretty much the same as usual, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> Turns out, uh, when you're crammed in your apartment all day, not a lot happens. There's not a lot to report, yeah. other than yeah. still the same. <laughs> yeah, there's so. not really that much that that has changed. <laughs> we we did a major clean the other day, and that's about it. Yeah, right. No, that's that's good. At least you're doing that. <laughs> um, so this episode, we are doing a quarter one recap and. We're doing so by recommending some of our favorite albums from the past three months. So any album released between January and March of 2020 is eligible. And this is a good podcast in a way because um, we're only going to talk about albums we like this time. There is no, oh, I wasn't feeling this album or, oh, I think this album's overrated. This is just our personal favorites. And uh, that's always exciting. And that's a big part of the reason why I like doing this podcast is to uh, recommend music to new people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, these are, uh, I like this new format that we have going on for this. Absolutely. Just pure, pure positive recommendations. Absolutely correct. And uh, just real quick before we kind of get into our favorites, um, what do you think about the quarter as a whole? You know, good quarter, bad quarter, disappointing. Yeah. Where are you on that? Um, it, uh, <clears throat> it was an okay quarter. It was kind of like an up and down in terms of mm. like the quality, I think that I was finding, um, like it was peaking at, at one point and then just kind of like dropping off and like interesting, not, not bad overall, but just kind of like it, I, I remember just going through like spurts of like not really having anything new that i was thrilled about and then all of a sudden there was like five albums mm, mm-hmm. that's that, that makes sense yeah it wasn't maybe spaced out in the way that you may have wanted mm-hmm. um yeah exactly but overall i think it was pretty good what I, do you think about it yeah I, I found a lot of records i've liked and i don't know how much of that is the quality of the quarter or I'm listening to more albums than I have in the past. So I'm discovering yeah. more that I like. So on a percentage basis, I'm probably liking the same amount of albums, but there's more of them because I'm just listening to so much more this year. So I don't know. I don't know how to mm-hmm. judge it overall, but there are quite a few albums to recommend, and it was kind of difficult narrowing it down to four uh, for the purposes of this podcast. Um so did did you want to go first? Did you want me to go first? Um, yeah, I mean, I can go first. That's fine. Okay, let's do it. What's your uh, first recommendation of the quarter? Um. All right. So first recommendation is uh, the award for it. Yes. As, you know. Yes. As we always do. Absolutely. My award for for this one is the uh, shortest <laughs> album of the quarter. Wow. I think this might be the shortest one that I listened to all quarter two um, but the shortest one on this list and you know shortest one just in general um it's the soki record self-titled self-titled album soki by by the band soki um i'm not sure if you've heard this i think it, it's been kind of making its rounds like quietly around the punk hardcore scene uh it's like a 13 minute long album but just like a straight gut punch of like in and out um and then on subject matter tackles um you know male privilege uh like just toxic attitudes towards women in in music um just like the wealth disparity things like that um and it does it all in like two minute one minute to two minute long tracks um in, in a 13 minute long span um there's just great instrumentation all the way throughout everything is used super efficiently the lyrics are 
um, intense in certain ways, but like they always have some sort of tongue in cheek um, uh, attitude to them. Uh, and the uh, lead singer, I'm not sure what her full name is. Um, they literally just list like their names on, uh, they're a pretty small band from what I guess. And like, they just list their names on like their band camp as like vocalist summer bassist Nelly. <laughs> like, uh, so the vocalist is summer. I'm not what her full, I'm not sure what her full <laughs> name is, but the vocalist summer has a, uh, growling and kind of shrieking like morphed uh vocal delivery to it it's like very just like thick and kind of uh like she's like singing from her throat but it's very like intense and energetic too um so it's it's really cool like they uh i mean really like all all that i can say about it is just that it's a really powerful like um, energetic album that's got a lot of really like cool messages about uh, I mean the first track is called Nuke the Frats so <laughs> you know it's about it's about like these privileged assholes that are in these frat houses and like you know they're they have no idea like what's going on around them and stuff and so this band is like you know basically trying to they they make this minute long anthem about like we hate these people. Um, then you got a song like Power Tool where like the refrain is literally um, like a sarcastic football red meat and power tools. <laughs> so it's like you know just like this this just uh, tongue in cheek look at um, toxic masculinity, male privilege in general, um, and. And just like a, it's just a super, like, even beyond like all of the kind of hilarious anecdotes that go on through the lyrics, it's just like a really fun and energetic punk hardcore album um, with a lot of really memorable guitar riffs. And, you know, like I said, a lot of really memorable lines all the way throughout, um, all, all the way throughout the album. So, best songs on this are probably Nuke the Frats power tool um there's a song boys on stage which literally starts off with uh summer going there are too many fucking boys on stage <laughs> um yeah those three are like the standout tracks on this but all, all of them i mean there's only seven tracks and they're all under three minutes long but uh it's a it's a great album check it out 13 minutes long you know just just do it on a on a quick little walk or something like that so uh, eight out of ten for the Soki record. Very nice. I uh, I hadn't heard of it, but when I looked it up, I've definitely seen this album art floating around. Yeah. So that's familiar to me. Um, I'm into shorter yeah, music. Yeah, I just checked lately. it out on a whim because it was like because I saw that it got it, it had been getting pretty solid reviews, and then I saw it was 13 minutes. I was like, oh okay, yeah, I'll check out 13 minutes, and you know, I've been hooked. Yeah, for whatever reason, it's just easier to talk me into pretty much any 13 minute record these days it's just there's so much right. music that it's uh you know i appreciate these smaller more concise efforts so i'm gonna i'm gonna add that one to my list yeah um because even if it's bad it's like oh i just missed you know out on 13 minutes it wasn't like it's not like it took up too much of your of your time and energy right that's half of your lunch break you know so I, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah exactly yeah no that's great so the soaky self-titled record um yeah, I guess I'll I'll move on to my my first one. And Yeah, nice, yeah. Um <clears throat> I'll just get this one out of the way, I guess. I'm calling this one uh the most polarizing record of the quarter possibly. So I I don't really know if mm -hmm. it is, but yeah, I know we disagree at least. Um this is Childish Gambino uh -huh. with yeah. with 31520. Um Childish Gambino, I guess, needs no real introduction at this point. He's done so much in music and in television, in comedy, it's in movies. I guess now um, it's difficult to give her give him like a real proper introduction. Anyway, musically, I've been a fan of Childish Gambino in the past, though I, I can't really say I've loved any of his work. That said, 
I think his discography has gotten better as the years have progressed. Like when he first started with Camp, I didn't enjoy that record. Because the internet was promising, interesting, uh, had an interesting concept to it, but it didn't quite stick the landing for me. And Awaken My Love was, I thought, a refreshing genre shift for him. And it really stretched his artistic boundaries. And This Is America was an incredible song and video um, that I thought was kind of the peak of his career musically. So he was going nowhere but up. And uh, now we're at the point where I legitimately love a Childish Gambino album. Um, But it is polarizing, as I suggested. When I said I thought it was great in a text message, you you responded with something like, are you doing a bit? Which, (laughs) that's when you know. (laughs) That's when you know the record's polarizing. It's like, yeah, man, I like this record. Is that hard to believe? I don't know. (laughs) So... That was funny. Uh, Pitchfork gave the that's, record... Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Pitchfork gave it a 6 out of 10. A 6.0, I guess. Fantano gave it a 4 out of 10. That all said, it, its Metacritic is 83 right now, which is the highest mm-hmm. of his career. And I'm closer in that boat than I am in agreement with you guys. Um, you guys being like you and Pitchfork and Fantano, like you all hang yeah. out together. I just kind of lumped you all we're, together. We're in a, yeah, we're in a club <laughs> and we just, yeah. <laughs> the Childish Cambino Haters Club. That's right. Um, I think it's a wonderfully ambitious record. It's not cohesive at all, so I'm just getting that out of the way. But I love the genre hopping on this album. Uh, there's pop, hip-hop, uh, R&B, funk, even a little bit of country every now and then and reggae on a song or two. It, the album kind of reminds me of what I liked about Sandy Alex G's House of Sugar last year, where it was just, um, but I wouldn't even call them genre blends as much as it is just jumping from one genre to another on a particular song. Um, there are songs on here that remind me of Yeezus era Kanye West. Uh, there are songs that remind me of Frank Ocean or Anderson Pack. One of them reminds me of Andre 3000's The Love Below. And yeah, I think for the most part, he handles these different styles pretty well. Um, a couple of them don't quite, you know, pass the snuff test for me. Um, but I'm impressed at how many of my favorite songs on this record sound nothing alike. It's not as if I'm only enjoying the R&B songs or only enjoying the you know, the, the hip-hop songs on here. I My favorites are quite varied. I love the song 1238, for example, which is, a I guess, a low-key, smooth R&B song with a great instrumental and a great feature verse from 21 Savage. He's great on that song. Mm-hmm. Love it. I love the song 3531, strangely enough, which is this overly sunny saccharin schmaltzy guitar driven song about selling drugs and packing heat it's a little corny but it works for me um and then the last one i'll mention is a uh, 4748 which is this funky song that's socially conscious and pretty poignant or at least as poignant as the album gets um the record is so varied that it has to hurt the cohesion, but I I don't mind the lack of cohesion that much because I mostly love everything I'm hearing on this record. My biggest gripe, though, is that the album doesn't seem finished. The songs don't always realize their fullest potential. They're often not mixed and mastered properly, and the songs can sometimes feel underwritten. Um... So I guess it's kind of this Kendrick Lamar untitled, unmastered thing he's going for, which mm. I really liked with Kendrick Lamar, and I, I like it for the most part here, but it I don't think the uh, the minimal aesthetic works as well here as it does on the Kendrick project. Um, I mean, the, he, the sound is minimal, but he's also, the entire thing is minimal with the all-white album artwork and the track titles that are just timestamps. So I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not quite sure what he's doing with that, but I do enjoy it for the most part. It's 
I guess 315.20, it's a flawed record, but I appreciate how ambitious it is. I think it's very creative, and it, it, there are quite a few songs that I'm playing quite a bit. Also, uh, 315 is my brother's birthday, so shout out to Kevin on that. Oh. Yeah, so um, anyway, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. It's like an 8.0, 8.1 if I'm doing the Pitchfork scale. Right. But I, I think it's pretty good. I think it's probably my favorite Childish Gambino record, honestly. So we have nice. a couple minutes. Um, I'm interested in just a brief explanation of why you didn't care for it a whole lot. I mean, I like I respect the ambition behind it. And I think that I've been liking the direction that, you know, Donald Glover's been taking that project for, you know, since Awaken My Love. Mm-hmm. I mean, Redbone was kind of like a revelation for like how creative he can really be, I think. And I think that he's been taking that and just like really just toying around with a bunch of stuff. But I think that it just, to me, it didn't feel like the unfinished aspect of it was too much. And I felt like it was like, there was no real cohesive narrative for any of it. It was just kind of like messing around and like, there wasn't really any like anything other than that. Just kind of uh, yeah, we'll try a bunch of stuff out and just you know mush it together. Like there were aspects of it that I actually did genuinely like. There's some of the more ambient and some of the like more like electronic elements to it were really cool. But I think that overall, I was kind of just like by the end of it, I was kind of like, all right, how many more times are we gonna try like? you know, this like weird disco slash mm. folky mm-hmm. slash, you know, like that is fair. And this isn't the kind yeah. of record where I'm like, how can anyone not love this album? Like I totally, I totally yeah. get it. So, um, yeah, it just didn't resonate with me. I just kind of got tired of it after a little while. That's totally fair. And that's about as negative as we're going to get on this recommendations podcast. <laughs> yep. So Yep. That'll be it. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, a couple of eights so far. Uh, what's your next one? Uh, this next one is a black metal album. Ooh. Um, which, you know, I, I thinking about it on these uh, quarter podcasts, I don't know if I've ever talked about just a straight-up black metal record for recommendations or not. Hmm. Um, I may have before, but I'm excited to talk about this one in any case. Um. This is a Dutch black metal album, and it is a, a flower-themed black metal. So it's a oh. uh, it's kind of it's kind of a, a weird juxtaposition with the uh, extreme atmospheric sound of black metal, and then you have these thematics of flowers. Yeah, <laughs> um, I probably am going to slaughter this uh, band and album for pronunciation. Well, do you the have an award? Is... Do you have an award before you get huh? to that? Like an award for oh, it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, good segue. <laughs> because I was going to say, this is the hardest, the award for hardest to pronounce <laughs> bands. <laughs> oh, I love so, it. Yeah, good, good segue there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just hard to pronounce because I don't I don't know how to pronounce Dutch words and you know that this is this is completely Dutch all the way through. But uh the man is uh <laughs> I think is how you're supposed to pronounce it. And then the album is called Blum. Okay. Which is a B L O E M which roughly translates to flower, you know, bloom. Uh, kind of makes sense. Uh, whenever you like translate it through English, um, I'm not even going to really attempt to to talk about like the tracks in name because they're all written in Dutch, and I'm going <laughs> to you know embarrass myself trying to pronounce them. But it's a five track album. Um, it's it's like a very atmospheric um, sort of death heaven e. Mm. Uh, there's shoegazy hazy guitars that kind of like make their way through on a on a number of different passages there's a lot of like anthemic uh power ballad kind of like background singing in a way kind of like 
um, arcade fire, like in a way, like wake ups uh, style, like back and forth um, with the ah kind of chorus work. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's those elements that are kind of thrown into there, which makes for a really nice, like all encompassing sort of album for you know, people that aren't normally used to black metal to get into. Um, but then there's also the just normal intensity of uh, the uh, what from what you expect from a black metal album. It's um, like I said, it's a very bright sounding album, which is kind of strange because normally with black metal you expect these very oppressive and dark, uh, cold atmospheres. Um, and this one is very atmospheric, but it's uh, very sunny and very, yeah, I mean, it's flower themed. So it's very sunny and very bright and kind of redemptive in a, in a way. Um, makes you feel like, uh, like excited and <laughs> a little bit like positive about things, which is not something that I normally, I normally am looking for in a metal album, but it's really refreshing to hear that in this um so uh, uh but going through this the delivery from their lead singer is still very intense and very uh, uh aggressive but he's passionate and he's cathartic and he's um like delivering these passages in a way that is that is normal for and uh, it's catchy to my ears as a metal listener, but it's also just really like comforting in a way because it feels like you, you can feel the passion coming out of his voice, um, and it's not in a in a way that's it's not in a way that's too like um, uh, what am I trying to say self indulgent or anything. Mm-hmm. They're uh, they're literally making an album about flowers, so it's hard to be kind of up your own you know artistic <laughs> um yeah it, you know it, it's kind of hard to be wrapped up in your own like in your own head whenever it's like an album that's literally about nature and stuff but, which is you know that that's a cool that's a cool thing so it's a very giving album instrumentally it's very grand there's a lot of brass that actually makes its way into it um yeah, I, I mean, I would say for anybody that's looking for metal albums and isn't and black metal especially and isn't liking the normal black metal recommendations that get thrown at them from black metal purists, mm. um, maybe try something like this. Check out something like this because it does have more elements of. Uh, it, it doesn't have more elements of just like positivity to it. And I think that that's something that black metal, I, I love the negative aspects of black metal. I think that there's really good uh, reasons for that. And I mean, it, it, there's a reason why it's, it is what it is and why black metal purists love it so much, but it's refreshing to like have somebody put this take on it. Um, so yeah, there's not really much else that I, need to say on this it's a great starting point for anybody looking to get into black metal great refresh for people that are into black metal um yeah solid eight out of ten on this as well that sounds fascinating i think i'm actually going to check that out um as someone who is not super knowledgeable about black metal but is curious about it um i think that sounds like a nice starting point like you said it's a yeah it's a it's a bit different than what you might expect it sounds like um yeah and i you know black metal purists might not call this black metal because i know that they like to categorize like mm. this is this isn't you know mm-hmm. based on you know I, I guess whatever algorithm that they've composed for <laughs> what constitute black metal and what doesn't but you know i mean to me it is it has all the elements of it except for the fact that the thematics are based around flowers and uh you know just beautiful nature Mm -hmm. yeah this is um i guess i'll spell it out flusterars f-l-u-i-s-t-e-r-a-a-r-s and the album is bloom 
B-L-O-E-N. So if you're interested, mm-hmm. check that out. Um, great work. I feel like you're just hitting me with records I've never heard of. So um, if nice. I, if anything, I'll get some good use out of the recommendations. You know, that's that's great. Nice. Yeah. Um, my second one, I'm calling the, uh, let's see here. Oh, I have the, it's, <laughs> I'm giving it the, I hate COVID-19 award. Um, if anything, I'm known for my hot takes on, on this podcast. You know, I, I really like the Gambino album when Pitchfork didn't. And uh, yeah. I'm not a fan of this How coronavirus either. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, um, I mean, for all of the serious and traumatic and devastating reasons why COVID-19 is bad. One of the least important reasons why it's bad is that I can no longer go to a concert that I bought a ticket for. Um, I intended to see Mm. Soccer Mommy this month, and Mm. I I still intend to go to her show if when she comes, but I will have to wait. Um, which is a shame because I'm, I'm really into her new record color theory right now. Um, so Sophia Allison, soccer mommy is an indie rock singer songwriter from Nashville. Uh, color theory is her second studio album. The record is called color theory in part because it's a bit of a concept. It's, it's, it has this overarching, color-centric theme where the album is split up into three sections each represented by a different color so the first four songs of the record are the blue portion where blue it represents what you think it might you know depression and sadness uh, we hear songs about loneliness and isolation and the dread i guess experienced by many 20-somethings very appropriate for our times right now uh, the next three songs, they comprise the yellow section of the record. Uh, yellow represents illness, both a physical illness and mental, emotional illness. So in this section of the album, we have songs about Soccer Mommy's anxiety and sleep paralysis. But also mm-hmm. we have the song Yellow is the Color of Her Eyes, uh, a touching centerpiece song about her mother's terminal illness. And the record concludes with the three songs that make up the gray portion, where gray represents loss and emptiness. So it's a bit of a loose concept. The themes of this record are distinct enough, I think, to justify this multicolor album structure. But it's not so distinct that it's, you know, jarring to go from the blue portion of the record to the yellow portion of the record. It's pretty cohesive overall. And honestly, if they had not told me this concept, I likely would never have picked up on it. Um, but I do like the concept regardless. Uh, so I like the concept. I appreciate her vulnerability throughout the record. And the music itself is quite solid as well. Uh, her voice is immediately charming and pleasant. Uh, the instrumentation is enjoyable. It's well-produced. I wouldn't say anything here reinvents the wheel sonically. Um, actually like quite the opposite. I think much of color theory is reminiscent of nineties, alternative rock music and early Avril Lavigne, uh, which is not a bad thing necessarily. It's just not the most inventive album I've ever heard. Um, but circle the drain bloodstream yellow is the color of her eyes. Lucy, those are all like among my favorite songs of the year so far. Unfortunately, there are a few songs here that fall short of that quality. Um, That's maybe my biggest gripe here. It's just there's clear standouts on this album to me. Um, But overall, Color Theory is a solid indie rock record um, that features elements of emo and dream pop every now and then. Um, I'll give it a a solid 8 out of 10. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was quite a fan. I, I heard Clean, which was her debut a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and it didn't really stick with me. I enjoyed it, but um, this one, yeah. Color Theory, is sticking with me. So, shout out to Sakura. Yeah, Mom. I feel I feel similarly to you with with that album. Um, like uh, Clean was was something that I thought was pretty good, but not like 
you know, great, uh, just kind of a normal <laughs> indie rock record. And then, but this one definitely, there's something very creative and special about it. Yeah, and uh, as a as a notable soccer mommy fan might say, thank you, soccer mommy, for the music. <laughs> I'll let you figure out who that is. All right. Yeah. Um, I mean, how could you not know? Right. The flawless impersonation. I will say, I do, uh, I do kind of want to add real quick. Uh, with this quarantining, she did do an NPR tiny desk concert, but it was at her home, uh, which... Uh, I th- oh, okay. I think she was the first person to do that, and I hope it kind of becomes a regular thing. It was a pretty interesting watch, so... yeah. yeah. Yeah, I noticed that like, a lot of musicians are starting to do that, where they're just basically doing little at-home live streams and stuff. Yeah, like anybody um, would do, you know, just kind of like as if they yeah. were just putting their stuff on Instagram, you know. Um, yeah, it's a cool thing. It's 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 cool to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, yeah, soccer mommy. Um, awesome. Yeah, we're coming out with the uh, eight out of tens right now. That's right, a streak of eights. A streak of eights. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, yeah, I like that. Just consistently, like, these are very solid. Yeah, yeah. And I got, you know, I've got a nine I might whip out later on. But, uh, yeah, there's been, a, right. there's been a lot of solid work this quarter. Um, so is your yeah. is your next one an eight? Guess we'll find out. We'll find out, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll talk about it first. Um, this, uh, the award for this next one is probably going to give it away to you but it is the emo award just straight mm. up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good choice um the first first great emo album of the year and uh, one of the best emo projects i've heard since uh sorority noise you're not as blank as you think um this is a new album from spanish love songs mm-hmm. brave faces everyone um very nice yeah i I think, yeah, I, I think that uh, from from the get, I was uh, hooked on this. I think the chorus work on this is awesome. The instrumentation is just really fun and cathartic, and um, they have a really good they they have a really good sense of like how to do breakdowns. Um, and uh, and the lyric work on this is really poignant and excellent, like pretty much all the way throughout. Um, it, it every track stands apart from itself pretty well i would say um i think towards the end maybe you can start seeing patterns that that kind of form a little bit but for the most part i think that like it's hard to create an emo album that you're talking about the subject matter of you know anxiety and depression and it's usually very like personal and in a way that I'm talking about, like literally just talking about yourself, like you're not talking about other people. You're talking about like, this is how things affect me, you know, and my friends and things like that. It's hard to do that track to track to track and not make it sound like just like, okay, dude, we get it. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the Spanish love songs do a really good job of just creating a, a a whole theme and of importance around this stuff. Um, there's like an urgency to the lyrics. There's um, an honesty to the lyrics that's really refreshing. Um, it, it it's not it, it's really like um, stripped back in certain ways, but there's also just like very poetic elements to it also. So it has like just the right amount of pretension to it to make it kind of a little bit more heady, but for the most part, it's very straightforward and um, uh, just like from the top, like this is <laughs> this is what is wrong. Um, I love just like these simple lines, like on the intro track "Routine Pain," where uh, they just go on a. A, a chant of am i gonna be this down forever forever am i gonna be this dumb forever am i gonna be this gone forever and am i gonna be this numb forever um which is very simple and is you know i i don't know you could take it in a way that's kind of just like overly simplistic but i think to me it resonates and i think that it, it just it, you know 
that that is literally as simple as it gets when it comes to a lot of you know day to day anxiety, those kind of thoughts. So just hearing that in a, in that kind of in the way that they structured it was nice. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, track wise, um, I think that the tracks, uh, routine pain are really good. Uh, generation loss is, uh, probably maybe the best song on here. I don't know. There's a couple of really good ones, but this song is like one of the most well-written songs on here. Um, there's an urgency to it that's just really intense and basically you know it's about suicidal ideation and Hmm. the pressure of societal expectations and you know uh, trying to be happy for other people Um, great instrumentations on that great singing great lyrics love that Um, what else Uh, losers is a great track Mm -hmm. Uh, losers not losers part two losers part two is good too but losers the first one (laughs) i was gonna say i like losers too a lot yeah (laughs) yeah losers too is is good there all these tracks on here are at least solid Mm -hmm. but uh the first (laughs) losers on here kind (laughs) of wish they wouldn't have done it like that (laughs) um i think this has the best chorus on the on the album um it's just it's very catchy and it's very straightforward and um, it's intense in a way too and kind of hard to hear, but it's, it's catchy and, and nice. Like, you know what I'm, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's pleasing to hear on a basic level and then lyrically it's very intense and hard and unsettling. And so I think that that they did a great job with that juxtaposition. Um, so anyway, overall, it, this is a very solid project. Um, one complaint that I do have on this is that <laughs> almost every track on here has that same, like, they break it down and, and then mm. they repeat the lyrics in a way that's like that sad white boy of like, I, you know, I saw you last summer and then like, <laughs> you know, like, like just the vocalist is just, is just like no, no other instrumentation is going on. The vocalist is just singing and it works pretty well. It's pretty effective for the most part, but the more they do it, the less it becomes effective and the more it starts becoming a little bit like, um, a parody of itself. Just going to say, I was going to say that too. Yeah. A bit cliched maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and it's, you know, that's a shame because that's always the rap that emo gets is this like, you know, they, people discount it because it's like, Oh, it's sad white boys. What do you have to be sad about? Like that kind of thing. Um, which is really sucks. And that's, you know, not a good, outlook to have on anything mm-hmm. like depression or you know people singing about their own depression right but whenever you structure things like that it's like uh like I, i'm getting kind of tired of hearing this element um but honestly that's pretty much all the complaints i have about it um so it to me it's a solid eight out of ten as well very nice great choice and i'm glad you recommended that to me because it's a record that has not been covered by either Pitchfork or the Needle Drop. Um, I haven't. Yum. The only emo coverage I've seen is uh, Pitchfork giving best new music to the Dogleg record, uh, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I think I now prefer the Spanish love songs uh, after giving each nice. like an additional listener to. Um, yeah. Even though I definitely Dogleg record is called Melee, they have a song called Fox, and I'm pretty sure the band <laughs> yeah. does Melee Mondays, where they play Super Smash Brothers Melee. So <laughs> I'm tempted to put that in my top ten records of the year just for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. But musically, <laughs> the Melee I, concept I, album. <laughs> right. I mean, I would love that. Um, the, the Spanish love songs is just it's, you know, among everything you said, it's it's just incredibly catchy. Like the entire time, it's. <laughs> It's immediate, and um, it, it's a lot of, I don't want to say fun. I don't know if fun's the right word because of the content, but, it, you know, yeah. it, cathartic, I guess, instrumentally, maybe. Yeah, instrumentally, it's fun, and mm-hmm. I, I would say. But, the uh, yeah, the, and I love those juxtapositions of, you know, lyrically, it's pretty unsettling, but um, you can you can listen to it on a basic level and have, like, a good time, mm-hmm. you know. 
Reminds me of like Passion Pit in that way. Um, but obviously, right, yeah, obviously yeah. this is an emo record, but regardless. Um, great pick. Spanish Love Songs, Brave Faces, Everyone. Um, another eight. So, another eight, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, I'll, I'll go into my next one. I called this one the safest bet. Um, you know, I, I would have, I would have bet a hundred dollars that this album was going to be not just good, but great. And among my favorites of the year. And it is, um, Rat Ferreira, Purple Moonlight Pages. Mm, Yes. So Rat Ferreira, formerly known as Milo, is an abstract hip hop artist who is one of my favorite musicians of the past few years, undoubtedly. Uh, so the Flies Don't Come is one of my favorite records of the 2010s. Who Told You to Think made my top 10 in 2017. And he released two projects in 2018 that both made my top 50 that year. Um, so I love Milo and all of his aliases and side projects and collaborations, you know, from Scallops Hotel to Nostrum Grocers. Love all of it. Even mm-hmm. though... It, that that's the case but i wasn't huge on his most recent full-length record titled um budding ornithologists are weary of tired analogies yeah which yeah. is you, you know <laughs> it's a bit of an abstract like hip-hop most, artist yeah <laughs> it's the most milo uh album title you could ask for <laughs> it really is um so yeah so the last i heard from milo at least from a full-length uh perspective i, I wasn't too huge on it so why is it the safest bet if I wasn't so huge on budding ornithologists? Well, before I gave this record a listen, I found out that the instrumentation on Purple Moonlight Pages is handled by the Jefferson Park Boys, uh, which is a trio that includes my man, Kenny Siegel. Um, mm-hmm. To my knowledge, I've heard two full albums produced by Kenny Siegel, one of them being the aforementioned So the Flies Don't Come by Milo, and he produced last year's Hiding Places with Billy Woods. Both of those records are easy 9 out of 10s for me, uh, so I'm signing up for anything with Kenny Siegel's name attached to it right now. He's mm-hmm. likely the most underrated hip-hop producer right now. Um, I would love to hear more from him. Um, this album's amazing. It, it, it's a, a wonderful jazz rap record with you know expected abstract lyricism, um, but I will start, I guess, with the instrumentation because, wow, uh, this is some of the best hip-hop instrumentation I've heard in a while. Uh, this is the fullest instrumentation I've ever heard Rap Ferreira rap over. Um, pure class in the instrumentation. It sounds classy with all of the drums, the brass, the beautiful keys, and the uh, pianos that complement that. It sounds like Rap Ferreira is rapping with a jazz band playing behind him, and I love that aesthetic. Um, An Idea is a Work of Art, especially, is one of the most gorgeous instrumentals I've heard in a while. Cycles uh, features the signature droopiness that I love uh, from Kenny Siegel's work in the past. And many of these instrumentals are dynamic as well. They keep building and changing and evolving as the song progresses. And you keep in mind, I'm used to him rapping over loops. Good loops, but loops. So this is a new direction for him. I can't really say enough great things about the production here. Um, uh, Ferreira's rapping is on point as well. Uh, It's perhaps a bit of a cliche at this point, but he does sound like a poet. He enunciates Mm. syllables with precision and clear articulation. He's, I guess... The best example against the kind of I don't know rap argument that rappers only like slur words together. Uh, he's a great counterexample to that. Um, the mumble rappers. Right. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to use the term mumble <laughs> yeah. rap, it, Milo Rap Ferreira <laughs> yeah. is pretty far away from that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and as expected and as appreciated, Milo's lyricism is philosophical, it's free form which matches the jazzy background, a, a genre also known for its freeformity, if you will. Um, it's a stream of consciousness approach to lyricism. Uh, and on this record, he drops a lot of thought-provoking gems about self. You know, he says, um, 
I've decided to embrace what differentiates me from the anointed clique. Or, you know, he says, uh, you know, the self is defined by the struggling. I found the pain quite humbling. He just, much of the lyricism on this record is a series of just, I guess, thoughts he must have had while pondering the world at large and just decided to write on paper. Um, listening to him speak these lyrics over the smooth jazz production uh, makes for an often meditative experience for me. Um, and as always, much of the lyricism is difficult to decipher. Sometimes I'm not quite sure what he's going for. It's often complicated. But to me, part of the fun with his music is picking up on new meanings and understandings with every listen and maybe catching a lyric you didn't quite catch previously. Um, it adds to the album's replayability for me. So in a way, Purple Moonlight Pages is a grower, even though I loved it after my very first listen. Um, that said, it is 18 tracks, and there are just like a couple moments that I could probably do without. Um, but, you know, Purple Moonlight Pages is an incredible jazz rap record overall. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. Keeping up the Kenny Siegel nice. 9 out of 10 streak going. He can do no wrong. Milo is great, yeah. or I guess Rap Ferreira now. Um, he continues to be one of my favorite acts right now. And I've been really into jazz rap lately with this. Uh, I've been listening to Blowout Comb by Diggable Planets quite a bit. Um, mm. So this album kind of came at the perfect time as well. So, right, yeah. Yeah, 9 out of 10, Rap Ferreira. That's awesome. First 9 out of 10 of the year, right? Um, Against all logic, I, think so. I gave a 9 out of 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. We both gave 9 out of 10 to that. Yeah, I, I, think, I was trying to think yeah. through. I think right now I would, um, as far as album of the year, I'd probably lean toward the Rap Ferreira, um, but they're both, I mean, they're both fantastic records. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, I, I really like that project too. I keep going back to it. One thing that like, I think with that for me that I find like super fascinating is that like, w like you were talking about like how it's ho so hard to decipher some of like his lyrics. Mm -hmm. I feel like he has like, like this is like an example of why he's such a good poet is because like, I think he just uses the sound of words a lot. Just yep. like, he just says words that sound really good together. And like, sometimes they feel like they don't have any meaning really at all intrinsically when they're together, but it just sounds great. Like, I think that's so cool. That's a fantastic point. And one I totally agree with he, and that's part of the reason I do think he sounds like a poet or must have experience as like, you know, in slam poetry or yeah. something similar to that. He, he is very careful with how, he says words not only the words he says he's great with yeah. diction but with his uh enunciation it's just on another level yeah yeah the inflection and the rhythm of how he says it and then you know it, it's fascinating exactly no that's a that's a great point um yeah but, so i thought about nice. saving that one for last but i kind of wanted to break up the streak of eights um so i threw that one in yeah good work with that yeah <laughs> um so yeah cool great I'm, I'm glad i figured that you were gonna uh talk about that one i i really like that that album a lot too but uh i figured that you were wanting to talk about it so yeah th I'm thank you for saving that for me you knew i was gonna love it i mean come on oh yeah, yeah. well yeah i mean come on now that would be like if we both listened to a, an awesome like if like that Sun record from last year, if we both listened to that <laughs> and we both really liked it, and then you were just like, "Oh, I'm going to talk about the Sun," record. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'd be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it's like stepping on my corner a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, good point. Uh, cool. All right. So last one for me. Uh -huh. um, this one. Gets the award uh, for <laughs> Valentine's Day. Interesting. Just Valentine's <laughs> literally Day? Just because, <laughs> literally just because it was released on Valentine's Day. <laughs> I can't really think of any other any other award for it. <laughs> um, and it's not the Tame Impala record. I was going to say, I think we Are called you? that, like, I think we mentioned that when we talked about the Tame Impala record. Yeah, no, <laughs> surprise. I actually really like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't even think I've listened to that album since we talked about it. Um, 
but this one I definitely have. Um, and, uh, it is the, it is the album loom from mm. artist Katie Gately. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if you've seen this one going around or not. It the sounds quiet has talked about this pitchfork reviewed it. Um, pitchfork gave it a 7.7, which is like the, you know, the score that it's like, Am I going to listen to this? I don't know. Right. Um, but the quietest was, yeah, right. The quietest was extremely positive about this. Um, I think it's Metacritic is pretty high. I can't remember. Hmm. Um, but in any case, I think this album is fantastic. Hmm. Um, so background with Katie Gately, she's an LA artist. Um, and she's fairly obscure, but she's done work for really big artists like Bjork and Zola Jesus. Hmm. Um, and recently with a uh, serpent with feet. Oh, wow. Um, so she's an, an experimental musician from LA. Um, and this album is based around her mother's passing of cancer, her mother passing from cancer hmm. in uh, 2018. So it explores the trauma and the grief behind that whole experience um and she does it with a really cinematic and huge um instrumentation throughout each track each track kind of starts off at this very uh, minimal low quiet point and i like tracks that build up to a point that you know you're at a very different point than you were from the uh, place you started that's just kind of a nice you know it's just a nice uh production tactic that i i typically am attracted to agreed but yeah i think we're both in agreement on that but this one like not only ends up at a place that like was completely different than what we started at it like on on each track and like i'll i'll talk about the track uh bracer on this because this is the album or this is the track that the album was actually rebuilt around um it's a 10 minute long just mad like magnificent huge lavish track full of just like very nightmarish instrumentation um and starts off at a pretty low quiet minimalistic point but it ends up in like five different places at once, um, if that makes sense. Like there's like sections of this that just get broken down time and time again and then built back up. And it's like almost overwhelming in certain ways. But um, it's it's not too like industrial or anything like that. It's actually pretty accessible, the instrumentation. It's just that everything is piled on top of each other and everything's so forward in the mix that it, and the uh, lyric work is just basically these repeating mantras of like um, sin, 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 like things like that. Hmm. Um like just very kind of messed up. I mean, there's like 10 different verses on here too. And they're all like these repetitive, um, these repetitive mantras that, that all have to do with guilt and existential fear about death. And then, you know, just like, they're all dealing with this grief in a very different way. Um, so anyway, by the end of, that track everything is kind of just blown up in like five different ways and uh, that's like pretty much the um bracer is definitely the standout track from this album but for the most part on each track there's eight tracks on this for the most part everything is built in the same way where you're just like how did we get here you're kind of floored by the amount of different ideas that can be thrown in at it, it, you know at any given point um it can get a little bit like overwhelming at points and you're kind of like what is going on <laughs> um but i think for the most part it's executed very effectively and especially lyrically it's very effective because a lot of it is just very re- like I said on on Bracer, um, a lot of it is just very repetitive 
lyricism and it's about dealing with this grief and it's about like this very obscure artistic uh uh metaphors in certain parts of the album um but a lot of it is dealing with this grief and dealing with uh with all the aspects of it the guilt the fear and repeating the same kind of things over and over again like is effective in a listener standpoint because it makes you start feeling that's that feeling that she's projecting Hmm. um so and this is an interesting tidbit too because this album was completely rebuilt around um the track bracer because it was originally supposed to be a completely different thing but once she got the diagnosis of her mother's cancer Hmm. she completely rebuilt this album and then created this and um you know i talk about bracer like the whole time on this but tracks like tower and waltz and uh and uh flow like these are all amazing tracks as well and they all have the same elements but bracer is definitely the cornerstone of where this album lies so yeah, I mean, I was surprised by this album. I didn't. Uh, I I don't know if I could have expected uh, this sound at all. And it's a very refreshing. Uh, it's a very refreshing album because it's, you know, I mean, it, 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 it there are elements that I guess are I, I've heard before, but the way that Katie Gately has like structured this is so cinematic and so like just grand in all of its emotion and lyrics and instrumentation that um it's hard to place like it's hard to place a comparison to it so it's very distinct um there's uh not a lot that i have to complain about it um but yeah this is a solid nine out of ten for me that's awesome. I it's a record I've never heard of. Um so I love you giving a 9 out of 10 to something that I'm definitely going to check out. Um I do have a question. Yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out. When you Okay, so some of the descriptions you use like it's overwhelming, um you know, some of the lyricism, some of the repetition and the idea that songs kind of start in one place but kind of progress and end in a different place. That kind of reminds me of Swans. Um, did did yeah. you get that at all, or does it sound anything like that? Or that's a very good comparison. Um, okay, it's not as it's not as like ostensibly dark as Swan is. Okay, um, because the instrumentation is uh, there's a lot of electronic elements to it. Mm. So I think that alone right. just kind of makes it a little bit more. Um, in the vein of like, uh, I'm, not, I'm trying to, I don't know. And if the long song like, here is like 10 minutes, then that kind of takes it out of the swans consideration too. Um, there, I guess there's no like 30 not long th- enough. Yeah. They're, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that it's too long. It's not 45 minutes. So <laughs> long. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, no, but that is, that is a good comparison. I, I, I okay. think that, like from a from the standpoint of like there's so much like creation and destruction on this album mm. that yeah liking it to swans is a is a pretty good comparison sounds good yeah i'm gonna check out uh um, yeah all i guess every record you've recommended except for spanish love songs i haven't heard yet so i intend to listen to mm. all of that um nice and i think uh you've heard all four of my choices i think because uh, my last one, it's a record I've been hush-hush about, but I've quietly loved the entire year. Um, I've been listening to a lot of jazz lately. Uh, I've recently gotten into classics, you know, such as uh, Giant Steps by John Coltrane or yes. The Black Saint and the Sinner Lady uh, by Charles Mingus. I love that one especially. That one's nice. great. Um and I've been enjoying some 2020 jazz releases as well, you know, such as the latest records from, uh, we were just talking about the other day, uh, Shabaka and the Ancestors. That's a great mm-hmm. record. Um, the latest record from Jeff Parker, I think, is really good as well. Yeah. Um, but the record I want to recommend here, I'm calling my favorite album idea of the quarter, 
and it's We're New Again by Gil Scott Heron and Micaiah McRaven. Um, oh, yeah. I, I still haven't listened to this one. No way. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. It keeps on, yeah. It, I, I'll let you talk about it, but yeah, it keeps on getting just like thrown into my backlog. Oh. So I'm definitely going to check this out after, we, after we're done. It is such a, oh, it's such a refreshing listen, I think. Um, so the full title of the record is We're New Again, A Reimagining by Micaiah McRaven. And that's because that's what the album idea is. It's a reimagining. So Gil Scott Heron was a legendary poet and soul musician and, and I guess, activist. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a long career. Uh, in 2010, Gil Scott Heron released I'm New Here, the final album of his career, and it's an album that was released about a year before he passed away. Um, that record is a bit of an autobiographical album. Uh, it discusses his environment, his, uh, you know, drug addiction, city life, uh, and his family. Uh, there's a lot of touching moments about his grandmother on this record that I find really endearing. I gave that record a listen recently, and it's pretty solid in its own right. Um, don't get me wrong. However, in my opinion, um, this 2020 reimagining is an improvement. Um, Micaiah McRaven is a jazz drummer, though he utilizes a full band when reimagining this record. Um, the aforementioned Jeff Parker plays guitar on this album, for example. Mm. So We're New Again, a reimagining by Micaiah McRaven, rearranges I'm New Here, and it even reorders the track list, which I found interesting. And I'm still trying to pick up on the effects that that reordering had. Um, I don't know. That's just something I'm still trying to figure out. Instrumentally, We're New Again sounds fuller, livelier, more vibrant, and in my opinion, more appropriate than the original instrumentation which is good, but is often too sparse or too electronic for my tastes. Um, the instrumentals are fantastic throughout the record. They're pretty. They're calming. Each instrument, you know, each instrument stands out. It's it's mastered in a way to where it sounds like you're in the room with where they're recording it. Um, I love the drumming, the bass playing, and the occasional harp or other string instrument on this record. It all fits Gil Scott Heron's voice perfectly, though it's, you know, it's it's Gil Scott Heron. You know, he's going to sound good over any instrumentation. He has mm-hmm. one of the silkiest voices ever, whether he's speaking or singing. I don't have a mm-hmm. ton of complaints. I really don't. Um, I, I think there are too many interludes, and a lot of the songs, I think, are too brief overall. Like, the non-interlude tracks are even too brief. Um, I mean, I think this is a 15 minute 30 or sorry, a 15 song, 37 minute record. So a lot of the songs are either four minutes plus or just like a a 15 second interlude. And I think there's maybe a little too much of that, but that's kind of a minor complaint. Um, I love the idea of reimagining I'm new here, even if Micaiah McRaven isn't even the first one to do that. Shout out to Jamie XX. Um, who also reimagined mm-hmm. this album back in 2011, a reimagining that is perhaps most famous at this point for being sampled in the Drake song Take Care. But uh, that's neither here nor there. So yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're New Again is great. I'm giving it a very high 8 out of 10, and I could see it creeping nice. to, to 9 range. Um, just a, a, a great listen that I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a little surprised. Um, Fantano, I guess, only gave it a 6 but which I guess is still a positive score for him, but everyone else I've seen that's listened to this record just loves it. So I would definitely recommend that. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, that's, that's something I'm going to check out like as soon as we're done. Cause I, it's just something that for some reason, I think at the beginning of the year, it just got lost in the mix of like, Oh, I got to listen to this and then this. And then I keep forgetting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I just, I love what, I guess I focused a lot on the Micaiah McRaven reimagining here, but what Gil Scott Heron is saying on this record, I think is really poignant. And I, I love the way he phrases things too. Um, mm-hmm. I love, he says something like, I always feel like running, but not running away because that place doesn't exist or something. Well, except he says it like, I always feel like running, 
you know, he's, yeah. <laughs> he sounds much better when he says it. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah. I do like we'll do another lot. reimagining where you're just, uh, <laughs> doing in, in, quotes. in my nasally podcast voice over Skype, I'm going <laughs> to reinterpret Gil Scott Heron vocals. <laughs> it should be a great time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's our recommendations. Um, and you know, there are many more recommendations that I considered mentioning today Mm -hmm. um but we had to limit it to four you know we we can save the rest for other discussions um maybe future podcasts perhaps or you'll just have to wait until our top 50 lists come out at the end of the year um but regardless i think there's been a lot of good music a lot of music that's worth recommending um i already have a couple of nines and a third that could almost be a nine and we're only three months Mm. in so um, as far as the high points, I think it's been a pretty solid year so far. Um, yeah, which is one thing twenty twenty I guess has in its you know <laughs> that's that's a plus for twenty twenty. It's kind of hard to find a lot yeah, of pluses right, right now. <laughs> I mean, musically speaking, it's been pretty good. Everything else is you know yeah. kind of up in the air right now. <laughs> Coronavirus bad. This new rap Ferrera album. <laughs> pretty good and (laughs) one point for each there yeah Yeah. um coronavirus is solid like zero out of ten right now yeah not you know i'd rather listen to um the big day than uh than contract (laughs) coronavirus yeah that's my hot take 100 yeah so (laughs) so you should know how strongly we feel about that (laughs) that's right we dedicated an entire podcast to just how bad (laughs) the big day was and we'd still prefer that to coronavirus we are i'm you know what i'm gonna i'm just gonna say it we are strictly an anti-coronavirus podcast wash your hands don't touch your face be smart don't go out in public stay inside and uh you know try your best have to some, uh, have some empathy for for others too absolutely absolutely be yeah. empathetic as much as it sucks it it, do, it also sucks for everybody so that's right if you can try helping out those who need help right now um you know much of it is things we can't control but we can control how much we wash our hands how much we stay inside for the most part um, mm-hmm. you know, the, there are things that aren't too, you know, we're not being asked to do a whole lot. And, um, so I hope, I hope you're heeding good advice and, um, yeah, let's, we'll continue doing podcasts. Um, that's no issue for us. We're yeah already thousands of miles apart. <laughs> um, and we yeah. record via Skype. So I, I see no issues with us in our podcasting schedule. We actually were talking about, doing our next podcast in a couple weeks. Um, there's a couple new albums that came out and uh, that we would really like to share our opinions on. Um, so look forward to that in a couple weeks or so. Um, Patrick, thank you for, for joining me at 9 a.m. your yep. time. Um, Always like doing this. Yeah, the Sunday morning podcast time is brilliant. I love that. Because mm-hmm. um, right now I'm about to go get lunch, and that's like a perfect way to end a podcast. Yeah. So the the podcast to lunch combo is fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. it. That that's perfect, that's perfect the podcast. Stuff. Thank you for listening. Enjoy our recommendations. I hope you enjoy our recommendations, but at least check them out. Um until next time, goodbye. Stay safe. <laughs>